I know one, it's, that, it's so good to see J.J. Anybody glad to see J.J.? Ma, 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 ma. Sister Barton, way in the back. Good to see Sister Barton. Oh, you know, it's, it's, it, it was good that we had, during this pandemic, the, the ability to watch online. But, oh, my, 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 there's nothing like coming together. There's nothing like coming together. Now, during this last year and a half, some of you have lost loved ones. And we pray the Lord will give you comfort and strength. Uh, J Pastor Jamie is in the hospital with his dear daughter, Mary. Some of you know that Mary and Natalie were in a horrible head-on collision. Natalie was driving, and she suffered some facial cuts, but nothing that will require any type of plastic surgery, Lord helping. Uh, Mary was in the back seat, and when the head-on hit, she went forward, and it crushed her pelvis. And uh, she went through four hours surgery one day, Three days later, she went through another uh, about four-hour surgery. And uh, she it will take 12 weeks of rehab to teach her how to walk. And they're estimating it will be a year before she's uh, back to uh, normal. Uh, let's pray, would you? Father, we just pray that you would touch Mary and Natalie Thank you for sparing our grandchildren. We pray you'd bless and with health and strength as Mary goes through all this rehab. I pray, Lord, it will come out uh, perfectly, I pray. Uh, I bless every soul in this building, those watching by Internet. I pray you'd bless this message today in Jesus' name. It's good to have Emma with us. This is Linda's granddaughter and her dear friend. Thank you for coming. And it's good to have my granddaughter in the back. Uh, Emily, I didn't even recognize her. She's lost a lot of weight. And, wow. Pray for Jennifer, our daughter. She's traveling to uh, a conference. It's a tough conference. Going to Clearwater, Florida on the beach. So everybody has to suffer. So good to see some old friends that I haven't seen in a long time. I do appreciate you coming uh, to be with us. Uh, if you have a Bible, turn over to Mark, the 10th chapter, uh, verse 46. Uh, stand, let's honor God's word as, as uh, I read these. Uh, some of you heard many, many times I preach on this scripture, but hopefully I'll bring some new light on it. Now they came to Jericho. This is Jesus and his apostles. And as they went out of Jericho with his disciples, he's picked up a great multitude of people. So something's happened while he was in Jericho that caused these people to be attracted to him. So now there's a great multitude. That's thousands of people. Blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard, key word, when he heard, it's crucial. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out. Began means 
he continued to cry out. It wasn't just one time he began to cry out and say, Jesus, uh, that's a key word, Jesus, son of David. And when you hear that word, son of David, it's referring to the Messiah, the anointed one, the one all the Jews expected to come. Have mercy on me. Then many, then many warned him to be quiet. That's just the opposite of me. I'm not trying to get you to be quiet. I'm trying to get you to be loud. Somebody say amen. amen. And many warned him to be, to be quiet, but he shouted out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying, be of good cheer, rise, he, Jesus, is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, that's a key phrase, he arose and came to Jesus. He's still blind. He still can't see, but he came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabboni, means master, the great one, that I might receive. If you study that word receive in the Greek, it means recover. It means recover. That I might recover my sight. Then Jesus said to him, go. I don't hear a prayer prayed. I don't hear, are you with me? I don't see him laying hands on him. He says, go your way. Your faith has made you well. The word well means saved, delivered. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. You may be seated. There's just a little echo in the mic back there. Thank you for taking care of it. I'm going to share with you today about the man that refused to give up. Uh, pastoring for many, many years, I, I saw a lot of people come to altars in the church and make commitments to Jesus, and then I saw them as time passed by, I saw them quit, throw in the towel. Well, I want you to look at this man who refused to give up. The ministry of Jesus Christ was packed with miracles. Packed with miracles. You, if you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you, you see miracle after miracle after miracle. The only place that he could not do very many miracles was when he was in a town that continually debated about who he was. And he couldn't do many miracles because he didn't have faith. Hebrews 13th chapter says that Jesus Christ is the same day today as he was yesterday, and he will be tomorrow. That means anything that he did do, he still can do. Anything he was, he still is. Now, I can't answer all your questions because I have questions of my own. How come I prayed for this person and they passed away? I, I can't answer those questions. Uh, I know one thing. There, listen to me. There is a time that you and I will depart from this planet and no amount of prayers will stop. 
Are you hearing me? And you won't have a choice in how you go. But when that time comes, you will leave this planet. And people can pray and lay hands on you and pour oil on you. But on the other side of that question, as long as your time's not to go, you, you serve a miracle-working God. Amen. And sometimes we can't see on this side uh, of heaven, but sometimes it's far much better off for them to go and be with Jesus. Much, much better. Look at verse 46 for just a moment. Uh, Look at Bartimaeus. Number one, the the man is disabled. He, He lives in a world of darkness. I don't have any idea what that would be like. Not to be able to see the sun rise and see the sun set and see the, the sky lit up sometimes with all types of clouds. I, but he lived in a world of darkness. How long? We don't have any idea. But he lived in that world of darkness. I think it's, I think it's horrible. My, my father was blind for the last years of his life and he loved to read and he couldn't read. And, but he pressed on. He was a hard-working man. But I, I know it was hard on him to live in a world of darkness. If you look at Bartimaeus, he was destitute. Now, we sometimes say we're broke. But he really is broke. He's broken begging. And, and that's tough. Now, I know uh, as we travel, we see people on street corners uh, with a cell phone, uh, with a sign, help me somebody in the back, asking for money. I don't know. Please don't get mad at me, but I I don't know if you can afford a cell phone. And then a a few seconds later, I see him light up. I don't know what they're lighting up, but I see him light up. And I'm thinking, man, if those are cigarettes, and please, I'm not trying to put anybody down, but if those are cigarettes, that's expensive. And you're begging. This man is destitute. He's got nothing. He's got zero. And then I I almost fear to say it, but he's dirty. He he no doubt is dirty on the inside, but he's dirty on the outside. He help me somebody. He's filthy. And he's foul. Uh, we were in church just the other day. And uh, how can I say this and be kind? But there was a precious lady, a younger lady, uh, who's a faithful member of that church. Uh, and I'm here to tell you that to get near her took all that I had. Because she stunk. She did. She stunk. Now, you can laugh at that, but I'm telling you, the odor was... And she loves Jesus, and she praises God, and goes to the altar, and and all that. But but she needs a bath. She needs some soap. Uh, Let's take up an offering for her. (laughs) I mean, you can say what you want to. I'm just as honest as I can be. If, if people came, you say, everybody's welcome. Well, let's just look at that. Everybody's welcome. So, so you want someone to come and sit beside you 
that's filthy and foul and full of B.O. Now, you know and I know that would be a tough situation, would it not? Look at me. Come on. I see your halos out there. Come on. Hey, that'd be a tough assignment. Be a tough assignment. But this man's filthy. His hair's matted. He's got a beard like Frank's. <laughs> oh, I'm glad to be here. <laughs> verse 47 says, and when he heard. And Romans, the 10th chapter, verse 17 says that faith comes by how? Hearing. Hearing. Now, I'm telling you what. Be cautious what you allow to go in your ears because fear can be generated by what we hear. If you, if you had one of your loved ones out uh, maybe driving around, maybe a teenager, and they're out driving around, and all of a sudden you see a state trooper pull up in front of your house and start walking toward your front door, I'm here to tell you that your heart will start pounding, and the first thing you'll start thinking about is, how is my child? And when they get to the door and they ring the door and you open it up, they ask where so-and-so lives. And then your heart goes, <laughs> Amen? So his, his hearing picked up some things about Jesus. Who told him? I don't know. But someone had to communicate to him about Jesus. Maybe, perhaps, he heard that Jesus was a storm stopper. Has he ever stopped any storms in anyone's life in this house? Please help me. You young ones, your day is coming. <laughs> Isn't it awesome to be a teenager and everything just floating along, you know? They, they think they have it rough, but they're living in a house with no rent. <laughs> Free food. <laughs> and if they're a teenager who can drive, they're driving a car they haven't paid for. Maybe he heard that Jesus was a way maker. Has he made a way for anyone in the house when you didn't seem like there would be a way? <sighs> Maybe he heard that Jesus was a body healer. Has he healed anybody in this house before? Wow, look at all the testimonies. Maybe he heard that Jesus was a problem solver. Has anyone ever had a problem solved by Jesus? Maybe he heard that Jesus was a blind eye opener. You know, as I read the Old Testament, there's not one record of one blind man being healed. Not one. None of the prophets ever had a blind person healed. Now they had, if you read Elijah, they had people raised from the dead. They had, they had leprosy healed, Naaman. They had all kinds of miracles, but no one. In the Old Testament, had a miracle of blind eyes being opened. So Jesus is the blind eye opener. And Bartimaeus heard about Jesus. Watch this. He couldn't see him, but he believed what he heard. I can't see Jesus, but I believe what I hear about Jesus. Come on, somebody. Buddha can't heal anybody. Buddha can't heal anybody. The, the Islamic faith, 
people don't get healed, Allah can't heal anybody. His name is above every name, and his name is Jesus, and he is the healer. He's the healer of the soul. He's the healer of the emotions. He's the healer of the mind. He's the healer of the body. Mm. And what he heard convinced him. You've got to be convinced. What he heard convinced him that his condition could change. Can you imagine being in, in a situation where you can't get any help and you hear a few words about this man, Jesus, you've never seen him before. And all of a sudden you realize alongside the road, you realize that Jesus and this entourage is going by and, and you believe that your condition can change and you, nothing's going to happen today in anyone's heart or life that you don't get convinced that your condition can change. Does anyone know the devil's a liar? Your condition can change once you get convinced about what you've heard about Jesus. So he made a decisive decision. I've preached long enough to, to realize that you almost have to beg people to come to the altar. You have to tell two or three sad stories and you have to make them feel all emotional and then they come to the altar. You, you know who most of the people I saw come to the altar? It was people that were in trouble. And, and boy, they hit the altar. I, I remember one man, he, he came to the altar crying. His wife had left him. He's down at the altar boo-hooing and boo-hooing. He even came to our men's Saturday night prayer meeting. I was shocked. I'd never seen him before. And he came in there, and he's praying and crying. Uh, about two weeks later, I didn't see him. And, and three weeks, I didn't see him. Four weeks, I didn't see him. And I thought, wow, they must have got back together. Oh, no, he found somebody, so he was okay. I said he found somebody so he was okay. See, we get all emotional in our prayer life because of certain situations, and if we're not careful, we don't get the miracle we want, and boom, we take another route. Watch this. He makes a decisive decision to respond to what he heard and believed. You've got to make a decisive decision about what you hear and believe. So verse 47, he began to cry out. He began to shout. On the count of three, I want everyone to shout Jesus. One, two, three. Jesus! Oh, goodness. Presbyterian could do better than that. Come on. Count of three, I want everyone to holler Jesus. One, two, three. Jesus! Now, this is one guy alongside the road, and there's thousands of people passing by, and he starts hollering, Jesus. He starts calling upon the name of Jesus. And he didn't say it once, he said it over and over and over. He was shouting, Jesus, son of David. That means he believed that Jesus was the Messiah. Isn't it amazing that a blind man who could not see recognized who Jesus was, and the Pharisees and Sadducees could not see who he was. Be careful that your religion doesn't blind you from seeing who Jesus is. Got a bunch of rules, regulations. But I want to tell you, be careful that your religion will blind you from seeing who Jesus is. I've never joined a church in my life. I got saved and he put me in the church. 
that he's the head of. He's only got one church. And those that are in it have been born again, washed in the blood. Would some of you smile? You, you scare me. <laughs> Thank you. It helps me so much. I told him the other night, I said, I go to some churches and if someone burps, I think the Holy Ghost is moving in the house. <laughs> oh, quiet. I, I, you know, I know we need to have reverence. We need that. But behind Bartimaeus, he, he doesn't have much time. Jesus is heading toward Calvary. The Bible said that Jesus has set his face like a flint. That means no demon and no devil is going to stop him. He's heading toward Calvary. And this blind man, this dirty, filthy, disabled blind man is alongside of the road with thousands of people coming by and he hears this Jesus and he begins to scream, Jesus, calling on the lovely name of Jesus. Have mercy on me. You would think that someone would have grabbed Jesus and, or grabbed Bartimaeus and said, come on, I'll, I'll take you to him. I mean, wouldn't you think that? I mean, there were other people alongside the road. Wouldn't you think that he would just, somebody surely would help him and grab him and take him. Let me show you something. The man had bad eyes, but good lungs. And he used what he had. God help me. So many times we get wrapped up in talking about what we don't have instead of using what we do have. Say amen. amen. He was so desperate that he was not afraid of anyone to express his desperation. He didn't care who was in the crowd. He was not afraid to express his desperation. Verse 48, here they come. Tell, tell your neighbor, here they come. They're self-appointed and they're self-anointed. They are the church detectives. There's one or two of them in every church. And they always sit way in the back so they can see everybody. Observe everybody. In Africa, where I preached, there was a man with a long stick. And he would go up and down the aisles during the service with this long stick. I'm telling you the truth. And if he saw anybody acting, this is the truth, he would take that stick and go, I was scared to preach. <laughs> I mean, there's a guy with a stick, long stick, going up and down the aisle. And what he was trying to do, not, not to keep people from praising God, but to, to keep the kids from acting up. And you know what? I didn't see any of the kids act up. <laughs> Maybe we ought to get some sticks and some homes. <laughs> I, t I, take, I, t I take that back. I call them the quieting down committee. Here they come, verse 48. And many rebuked him. King James says, they charged him to hold his peace. And nobody in this building talks like that. 
You, you know, when your kids are tearing your house up, you don't go in and raise both hands and tell them, hold your peace. <laughs> you tell them, if you don't quiet down, I'm going to knock you into next week. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. I don't understand why. It's outside. There's a mass of people going by. Why would anybody be, be upset about anybody hollering out? I mean, you, you, people hollered out of ball games. I've been, to, I've been to football games where I've seen it with my own eyes. I've seen, I've seen people become instant Pentecostals at a football game. <laughs> I have. I'm not kidding you. I mean, I, I don't know what happens. Someone cr crosses a certain line and a scoreboard changes and people jump up and throw both hands in the air and I'm going, wow, we're in a revival meeting. But if you follow those same people to church on Sunday morning, <laughs> they wanted him to shut up. They wanted him silenced. If the devil can shut you up, he'll shut you down. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Now that doesn't mean you have to get on a street corner with a Bible and a microphone. That means by God's grace, when the opportunity avails for you, you need to share about your faith in Jesus Christ. The devil has gotten us, and I'm not just pushing emotions, but the devil has gotten the church today so quiet. This, to me, this is the huddle. I played six years of football, and, and this is the huddle. But you don't stay in the huddle. In the huddle is where you call your play. And once the play's called, you go out of the huddle and activate, perform, the Lord helping, the play. And we, we get instructed, but we don't go out. Don't let the devil shut you down. Are you with me? Everybody put your hands up to your mouth like this. Everybody. Everybody. I'll come to you if you don't. <laughs> Open your mouth as wide as you can. Real, real wide. Wider than that. Okay. Put your hands back down. Some of you have big mouths. And the ones laughing are the ones that have big mouths. Big mouth people get big miracles. <laughs> Psalms 81 verse 10, the Lord tells us, watch this, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. We get intimidated by the devil to tell the Lord what we need. Well, he already knows. Yes, but he tells us to ask. And we have not because we ask not. And I've heard preachers on television say, you only ask one time, and that's all you ask. That's a lie of the devil. In Matthew 7, 7, Jesus Christ said, ask, and it will be given you. And the, and the Greek word is continual action. Keep asking, and it keep knocking, and it. Hey, if I knock on a door and I know you're in there, I'm just going to go, Poop. if I know you're in there, I'm just not going, oh, well, they're not at home. 
Let me tell you when we did that in Bible college in Houston, Texas. In Houston, Texas, one of the classes, we had to go door to door and witness. And we had to record it to take back to our class. Please forgive me. But, but many of us would go up to the door and go, nobody home, write that one down. <laughs> We'd go to the next one and we were scared to death. I was in Houston, Texas. That's the first time I've ever been out of Nitro, and I'm in Houston, Texas, and brother, the first time I'm downtown, I hear, <laughs> and I looked, and there's a man across the street with a gun, and he's shooting, and people are running. I knew I was not in Nitro. <laughs> so this is one reason why we just kind of went, no one home, mark that down. Guess what? He was determined not to give up. He was determined he wasn't going to back up. And sure enough, he was determined he wasn't going to shut up. I tell all of you big mouth people, don't shut up. Now, a big mouth and a loud mouth are two different things. I'm not talking about a loud mouth. I'm talking about a big mouth who, mm, who believes their God can answer their prayer. Amen. So he refused to be quiet. It wasn't out of rebellion. It's out of desperation. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time you went to an altar and prayed? Church folk are scared to death of an altar. Someone may think that I did something bad. Well, they can think that before you ever come to the altar. It's the truth. Isn't it amazing that people quit and give up because someone didn't shake their hand? People quit and give up because a preacher wasn't there when, when you went through a certain... Preachers can't be everywhere. But Jesus can. He's, the Lord said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Preachers fail. Sometimes I believe that the Lord causes us preachers to fail so we'll, people will get their faith off of us and get them on Jesus. You don't have to get very close to me to see faults and flaws. And I don't want to get very close to you to see them too. That was my windshield wipers. Are we having fun yet? So he wouldn't quit. Why? Because his soul, not his eyes, his soul had got a glimpse of Jesus. Did you hear me? His soul had got a glimpse of Jesus. He was not going to be denied. He was going to get what he's crying out for. Has anybody in the church had a pity party before? It? Some, someone's having one tomorrow. Isn't it, isn't it amazing that then... When, when we have a pity party, we, we tell one of our friends our situation. And have you ever met someone that when you pour out your heart to them and there's a tear coming down your cheek and, and, and they turn and say, you think you got problems? Let me tell you my problems. 
And all of a sudden, it becomes a battle between who has the biggest problem. Well, I can top that one. Here's another one. I see you out there. I know you've done that. There's no use to have a pity party and tell someone, listen to me. This guy knows where to go, and he's calling out for Jesus. And the quieting down committee has told him point blank, not just one or two people. It says many people circled this blind man. Many people told him to be quiet. I wonder if, 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 I could, I wonder if we could have pressed on when that many people gathered around us and told us to shut up. We get intimidated. Fear comes in. But I tell you what, he took a deep breath, verse 48, and he turned up the volume. Whew. I went to visit an older couple in my first church. I was 24 years old. I went to visit them. And I pulled out at the curb in front of their house, and I could hear their TV. I said, I pulled out to the curb at their house, and I could hear their TV. Their neighbors down the block could hear their TV. If you pulled up in front of where I live, you could hear their TV. <laughs> Linda got me some of these earphones that you put on so, so I can hear the TV. And, and she didn't have to go deaf from hearing the TV. Let me tell you something, children. <laughs> this boy turned up the volume. He got real loud. You ever, you ever pulled up to a stoplight? You ever pulled up to a stoplight and, and, and a car pulls up by, beside you going... <laughs> Lord have mercy. And the windows are up. And you're thinking, he, he, he's going to lose his hearing. How many of you ever had that experience? You pull up and... Lord have mercy. This is what this young man does. He turns up the volume. He gets louder. Count of three, I want everybody to say Jesus, and I want you to say Jesus louder this time you did it last time. One, two, three. I can imagine what a neighbor thinks right here. A neighbor thinks, they're at it again over there. How come Jesus didn't stop when Bartimaeus cried out the first time, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me? He didn't stop. Someone said, well, maybe he didn't hear him. Come on, children. He, he knew it was going to happen before he ever got to where blind Bartimaeus was. But he, he didn't stop. And he cried out the second time. He, Jesus kept on moving. He's going toward Calvary. The man cried out the third time. Now the quieting down committee comes to him, hushes him up. Or tries to. And Bartimaeus turns up the volume and Jesus isn't deaf. And all of a sudden, I don't know how many times this man has cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And all of a sudden, it tells you clearly, if you look in verse 49, Jesus stood still. I, I wonder, why didn't he stop the first time? Or why didn't he stop the second time? I don't know how many times it took, but Jesus stood still. He was stopped by the cry of a desperate man who refused to give up. 
Sometimes, whether you, I don't like it, but sometimes when you're crying out for a particular need, for a miracle, guess what? You, you don't get it right off. Jesus is not Santa Claus. You don't push a button and he comes running. Sometimes our faith is tested. Come on, somebody. Sometimes when we, when we pray, our, and if we're not careful, we'll quit. When we don't get the answer, when we think we should get the answer, we throw in the towel, and that's it. I'm out here. All that Christianity stuff is a bunch of garbage. I'm out here. Wait a minute here. This old boy didn't get it right off the bat. I've got a, I've got a word for somebody. Delay is not denial. And all his constant desperation, and Jesus stops because he could hear that cry of that desperate man who refused to give up. Verse 49, a new committee shows up. The Lord has appointed them, and the Lord has anointed them with the message. And they come to this Blind man alongside the road. The first thing this new committee tells him is what? Cheer up. You ever heard anybody saying, cheer up? And you said, I don't feel like cheered up. I'll go over here. You ever had anybody? The first word that he gets is cheer up. The second word he gets is get to your feet. And the third word he gets is Jesus is calling your name. Now, this blind man's been calling Jesus out all this time. Been calling Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. All of a sudden, a group comes to him, and this is the word cheer up, get to your feet. He is calling you. Audible voice. Audible voice. Now, a lot of people say, well, I don't believe the Lord can speak to you in audible voice. Yes, He can. Yes, He can. Isn't it amazing that we tell sinners in evangelistic meetings, revival meetings, we tell them all the time, I've done it too. George, I'm sure you've done it too. We tell sinners all the time, the Lord is speaking to you. We say all the time, hey, way in the back, the Lord is speaking to you, sinner. You need to come to the altar and get saved. Well, wait a minute. Isn't it amazing that we can tell a sinner that, that the voice of God is speaking to them, yet once you get saved, if you got up in church and said, oh, last night I heard the voice of the Lord. What? They'd be going, oh, brother. Do you know her name was Ensuk? She was from Korea. She married a soldier. He brought her to America. Had two kids. He left her. She got saved. I said saved. She was going to a church in Dunbar. Now, if you've ever seen Insook, she was very, very bright, very loud. And when she testified, you couldn't t hear, you couldn't quite understand if she was talking in tongues or talking in Korean. And oh my goodness, see, 
She just shouted and praised God in this church. And this is the truth. Do you know that the, the leaders of that church came to her, and this is what they told Enzo. She told me this later. They, they sweetly and lovingly said, Ensuk, we believe that you would be better off to go to the Maranatha Fellowship in St. Albans. I never heard of that in my life. I guess her praise and stirring, and, and guess what? She came to Maranatha. I was the pastor, and I'd never seen anyone like her. She praised God no matter what. I saw her come to the altar with a chemo bag attached to her, battling cancer. She's still praising God. You couldn't stop her praising God. I was with her just hours before she passed from this planet, and I'm here to tell you she was praising God. And I thank the day that whatever church it was recommended her to leave and go to Lord. I don't know what they'll do with Bartimaeus. I pray God raises up some Bartimaeus in this world. Verse 50, look at his response. Throwing aside his garment. I've studied it. And I made sure I was correct on I studied it again. Why did he throw away his garment before he did anything else? It's because his garment was a beggar's garment. The Roman government had to certify anyone that was a beggar and make sure that if they were blind, if they were crippled, whatever it was, no fakes and no frauds. And once they verified the disability, they gave them a garment that signified to anyone and everyone that this is a certified beggar. And the, the wait a minute, church, he's still blind. And the first thing he does before he gets up is to throw away his beggar's garment. His beggar's garment, listen to me. His beggar's garment told everyone who he was and what he did. And he's throwing it away because he no longer is going to be a beggar. He will not need that garment. And so he's casting it off. Listen to me. Some of you need to cast off some things that are, they are describing who you are. And what you do. And you're a new creature in Christ. The old things are passed away. Passed away. Cast them off in Jesus' name. Get rid of them. There's some things you need to get rid of in your life. He was getting rid of his beggar's garment. Can you hear me? Do you understand what I'm saying? He cast it off. He was no longer going to be a beggar. He no longer was going to be begging. Verse 50, then he sprang to his feet. When you first got up, Frank, and as far as I can remember the terminology you used, you said, let's spring to our feet and begin to worship. My first thought was, at 76, I'll be there in just a little bit. <laughs> can I get a witness from anybody in the house? <laughs> I can I've preached in a few Pentecostal churches, and, and they get to jumping. They get to jumping, and uh, my jumps left me. 
I just kind of give him a heel to toe, heel to toe, heel to toe. But he springs to his feet. His beggar's garment is alongside of the road. He springs to his feet and he comes to Jesus. He came by faith. Same way you come. Same way I come. He came by faith. And he can hear the voice of the Lord saying, Bartimaeus, my sheep hear my voice and follow me. Can I have a few more minutes? It really doesn't matter. We're not taking a vote. Jesus says in verse 51, amazing, awesome, I tell you, it just blows my mind. Jesus says this, man, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? That's a blank check. To answer that, you've got to believe that Jesus has the resources to meet your need. Do you have any money on you? All credit cards. Yeah. Old timer, you have any money on you? Get it out if you would. The other night I was preaching at Christ Temple in Huntington, and I asked the person if he had any money, how much is it? Count it. And, and, and the person said he didn't. And so I went to the next person. And this is the truth. When I got to the second person, I looked, and it, 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 it was Curtis from Tennessee. He drove from Tennessee to Huntington, West Virginia, just to be in one meeting. And he has some money. How much? $98? Do you have any in that secret compartment? <laughs> He's going to his secret department. Look at this. He's, how much you got in there? Okay, I won't, I won't destroy it. Oh, and here's some more. Oh, Lord have mercy. That's 40. 41. Keep that. Four, 41, 42. Okay. So he's got, let's say, $120. Bonnie did not know he had a secret compartment in his wallet. He had almost 50 bucks in that secret part of that wallet. There's other men in this building do the same thing. It's the truth. Yeah. I see guys going. Hey, go ahead. That's a 50. That's a 50. That's a 50. So let's say he has $150. There's no use for me to ask him for 200 if all he's got is 150 because he does not have the resources to meet my need. Isn't that correct? I mean, I've got to believe that he has the resources to meet my need. It's $200, but 150 would be okay. <laughs> now watch this. When I give it back to him, he's not receiving it, he's recovering it. There's a difference. For him to receive it means I give it to him first. But if he's going to recover it, that means he gave it to me, and I'm giving it back to him, and everyone say amen. amen. 
count just to make sure evangelists are pretty good at Jesus Christ said to this man, what do you want me to do for you? That, that, that means, can you imagine? It's unbelievable. It's awesome when he says, what do you want me to do for you? I ask you a question. If Jesus stands before you and says, what do you want me to do? What would you say? If you're bold enough to ask Jesus, he's big enough to answer you. I can tell some of you, you're not, you're not paying any more lick attention. I see a young person playing with their, with their cell phone. You know, that's okay. But I'm here to tell you, one day, one day, you're going to need a miracle from Jesus. Doctors can't do it. No one can do it. You better have a mm, boldness in what you're asking for and believing He's a big God. Someone say amen. Bartimaeus pinpointed his prayer. He was definite in his request. Quit beating around the bush. Get definite with God what you want. I know what it is. The devil tells you you're not worthy. None of us are worthy. I'm able to come through the blood of Jesus. It's His grace and mercy that I'm able to make it from one day to the next. Verse 51, he says, Master, great one, I want to recover my sight. One, one translation says, I want to see again. That means he could see at one time. And Jesus, verse 52, makes a divine declaration, no prayer, no hand laying on. He just says this, go, your faith has healed you. Go, your faith has healed you. Immediately he could see. Does anyone think he got excited? Does anyone think that maybe he got stirred when in an instant he could see? And the first, mm, whew, the Lord just told me this. The first thing he saw was Jesus. <laughs> Fanny Crosby wrote hundreds of hymns in most hymn books. Fanny Crosby was her name. She was blind from birth. And someone told her one time, says, oh, what's... What do, you, what do you think? And she said, well, when I get to heaven, the first one I'm going to see is Jesus. The first one this man sees is Jesus. You're not, I know we, we talk in terms of families and things. You're going to see mom, mom, papa, and everybody. But the one you're going to see, and the one you're going to be most glad to see is Jesus. The course of his life was changed forever. Verse 52, he followed Jesus. What? He didn't get saved. Eyes open and go his merry way. What the Lord gave to him, from that moment on, he began to follow Jesus. The course of his life was changed forever. I just feel like something good's about to happen to somebody in the house. I just feel like something miraculous is about to be manifested. I just feel like something supernatural is getting ready to show up. I don't like business as usual. I like when God starts moving and doing miraculous things. Miraculous things. I've shared it before, but I saw a blind lady at, 
that Maranatha, second row, came forward and got healed. It wasn't me, it was Jesus, a girl in a Cheryl Hopper, laid hands on her and prayed for her, and poof, this lady could see. And Sylvester hugged a deaf man up in the balcony, and he could hear. Isn't that exciting? Church is boring if there's no miracles. The greatest miracle is getting saved. Stand to your feet. You don't need to come. I want you to be determined not to give up. Don't throw in the towel. We gave index cards out, and I don't know how many people told me, is this a quiz? Are we going to take a test? I hope I pass. On that card, this is what I want you to do, and I know everybody won't do it, but if I were you, I would do it. I want you to write down the miracles you need quickly. If you need a pen, ask one of the ladies. They all have a pen factory in their pocketbooks. Write down, write down for number one, the biggest miracle you need. List five of them. List five miracles you need. If you don't want any miracles, that's fine. But if you want a miracle, write it down. I'm here to tell you at the appointed time, you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. That's Galatians 6, 9. At the appointed time, you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. Write those miracles down. Write them down if you would. Just come now, Frank, and play softly. If you, did you write your miracles down? If you're in this building and you don't know Christ Jesus, that's the biggest miracle you need. This altar can't save you, but it's a good place to come and give your life to Jesus. Just play softly, Frank. Wherever you are in this house, I want you to bring your card with your miracle. Just stand at the altar, and I want you to say, Father, in the name of Jesus, and I want you to read your miracles to the Lord out loud. You don't have to scream. So as Frank begins to play, wherever you are, if you want to come, I want you to come. Once you pray over them, I want you to lay it on the altar. And I will gather them up. And I will pray over them for one month. Do it now if you want to bring your prayer request to the Lord. Bring it to Him. Pray over all of them. 
Don't meditate now. I want you to speak in the air what you're praying for. 